Hey, welcome. I'm the Christmas search engine, and I can help you find anything related to DIY Christmas decorations. Oh, okay. Um, let's jump right in. Here we go. <laughs> what date Christmas this year? Uh, December 25th. What date Christmas next year? December 25th. Song that goes. Um, I think I know what you're looking for. How cook ham? Okay. How cook ham fast? Uh. Oh, ham flamethrower recipe. Wait, what? Christmas present, mom. Nice. Cheap. Nice. What day Christmas 2035? Are you serious? Is Santa Claus real? Uh, you should maybe ask your parents about that. Gift wrap bowling ball. Please be careful. Custom dog Christmas. Sorry, what? Christmas dog custom cute. Oh, you mean costume? Christmas dog costume cute! Gift wrap accordion. Uh, that's gonna be tricky. Can I drink expired eggnog? No. What happens if drank expired eggnog? Why'd you even ask me in the first place? Dealing with relatives. Okay. Dealing with nosy relatives. Oh, uh, well... Dealing with my nosy overbearing relatives who won't stay out of my business. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much all the same stuff. Gift wrap a saddle. Who are you buying this stuff for? Santa Claus riding a unicorn. Santa Claus riding a unicorn socks. Is that a thing? Search it up. Oh wow, here they are. Take my money. Norwegian tree skirts. How many lights, one outlet? Elf pajamas. Dog singing Christmas carols. <sighs> oh, hello. What is Christmas really about? Hmm. I've got just the thing. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus? Jesus. May I? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Huh. How fix burnt ham? Okay. Uh, you know what? Forget it. Pizza delivery Christmas Eve. <laughs> no problem. I like that. that. Out of oh, no flamethrowers this morning. I like that. What happens when I drink expired eggnog? <laughs> the questions that go through my mind. Oh. Boy, people are just searching, aren't they? So many people searching, searching, searching for all kinds of different things in the world. And the words that we say to them can make all the difference. So much difference in their lives. So for our Ugly Sweater series, week two this year, uh, this week we're looking at ugly words. Ugly words can be especially hard around the holiday season, can't they? When you have friends and family, the Uncle Eddies of the world, right? And they want to come over and ruin your party and say certain things and annoy you and frustrate you. 
And you're just like, oh, not this part. Ding dong. You're like, no, not them. Please, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to not say that thing that I want to say to them this year. Ugly words. Bev reminded me this, uh, this morning about my Grinch sweater. A mean one. I'm a mean one. She said she was listening to the Grinch on the way here. And sometimes our words can be the mean ones. And we can be like the Grinch to other people where our words stink, stink, stunk in the ears of, of the listeners. Uh, i got to listen to that song again, Bev, but I'm sure there's a lot of words in that song about being atrocious and um, just how awful and, and terrible that guy is. That can be us when we have these ugly words in our life. So let's not be the Grinch with our words to the people around us this season. Or any season, really. This goes for all year long. So, um, let's just start with our first thought here. Love the sweater again, Joe, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> We've got to put a leash, and speaking of, I have to put a leash on our lips. we got to put a leash on our lips. Pretty crazy, isn't it? The tongue is such a small thing. Such a small muscle. And, and yet, it can do so much damage. It's sometimes... Incomprehensible how much damage our words can do and destruction. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to see some massive warnings from James. This is the brother of Jesus. And he's giving us uh, the lowdown on the damage that our words can do from this little, uh, this little piece of our body. But how much damage does our tongue do? This little piece of our body, but so much damage. I was trying to think it sounded like somebody. Maybe that was Ralph, uh, the guy from uh, Christmas Story that stuck his tongue to the pole, right? Help! Get some help! Help me! Right? Anybody seen a Christmas Story Christmas, by the way? They just came out with a sequel. Anyway. And the guy's in it that got his tongue stuck to the pole. I've watched 30 minutes of it so far last week. When you have little kids, you watch movies and shifts. Anyway. So here we are in James... Uh, and I want to preface it with this, James chapter 1, verse 26. So setting up the tongue, James says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Ouch, James. Uh, that hurts a little bit, a lot of bit. If we don't control our tongue, we can be misrepresenting God and Jesus to the world. We can be, um, you know, we're supposed to, to show them who God and Jesus are, uh, about their love and their light in the world, and we can really do a disservice to God and Jesus when we misrepresent Him with the words that we say. This might be a toe-stepper for all of us this morning of a sermon. And then flip over to, to chapter 3. James chapter 3, uh, he goes into more detail. Look at verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. 
People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We're going to pause there. Don't you feel that way sometimes? Such a small part of our body is the tongue. But yet it controls so much of our life and can really do great damage to the, per- the people around us, to our relationships, to our career, for the good and the bad. And sometimes... <laughs> Hallie, would you come up? I'm just playing. (laughs) Tape, duct tape. No. Sometimes we just need to put a leash on our lips, don't we? To metaphorically, I want to say metaphorically, because you can get in trouble with the cops for doing this to your spouse, right? But metaphorically, get that duct tape out and put it on our mouth. Some of the worst things we say to the people that we love the most, don't we? We've got to grow in putting this leash on our lips. Right? Mm-hmm. 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 I can't preach while I'm doing that, so you can just imagine, but sometimes, uh, some Sundays you wish I'd do this, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, um, you know, anybody ever let a, a loose word go? <laughs> Maybe when you hit your toe with the hammer or something, your finger with the hammer? So much of the things we say, oh goodness, we got to rein it in. How many people have been fired for stuff they said to their boss <laughs> or co-workers? How many people have had to sleep on the couch for stuff that they said to their spouse? How many people have hurt their relationship with their kids or their brothers or their sisters or their family or their friends? Just put an explosive grenade inside that relationship. For the things that they say because they said something when they should have just kept their mouth shut. We say things when we should have just, nope, not even going to go there. <laughs> well, we should just zip our lips, like that guy, just zip our lips because we've got weapons, we've got bullets flying out, we've got destructive forces coming out of our mouth. Never forget that our words can be such powerful, powerful, destructive weapons. And we launch them at other people, don't we? We launch these words like they're grenades and cannons and we want to make them hurt like they've made us hurt sometimes. And we want to give them a piece of our mind. And sometimes we go, we, we justify it, don't we? And we say, I just tell it like it is. I just tell it like it is. No, you just use incredibly destructive words when you should be kinder, kinder and gentler. And not that we shouldn't always speak the truth, but there's a, there's a way to speak the truth in grace and love, and there's a time to speak the truth in grace and love. And sometimes things that are true, they don't always need to be said, do they? And sometimes things that are true don't need to be said right now. In the moment. Maybe when cooler heads prevail and we can have a a proper fight about this. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight in your your marriage. It's good to fight, but fight fair. All right, we've talked about that before. Uh, not to use escalator words, calling people names, digging up the past. Don't be a relational archaeologist 
digging up the past. You did this 30 years ago and I can't believe it. Things that we say have impact. And not everything that's true needs to be said. If you remember nothing else today, maybe that'd be a good one. Just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it to that person. And there are ways to say things that are much better uh, to approach a person than others. When you come at somebody with, you know, the, the boxing gloves on and you just, you just start fight, you just start in. Ring the doorbell. Hello, hi, how are you? I can't believe what you did last Christmas. I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We just start in. We start that fight. We start that conflict or ramp it up when the other person starts the conflict, don't we? We're all guilty of it. But when we let those words fly loose, it gets us into big trouble sometimes, doesn't it? In a lot of ways. It leads to a lot of regret. At least if we're examining our hearts, it leads to regret. And it hurts that relationship, can destroy relationships. Few careless words can so easily undo everything that we have been working so hard toward for years and years and years in your marriage, in your job, in your neighborhood. You know, if a cop stops you and says, do you know how fast you were going? And you start mouthing off, well, pig this and that, and you're just trying to get money. It's not going to go well. Just say, sir, yes, sir, I was speeding a little bit. We start mouthing off. We just dig ourselves a deeper hole. I want to share with you this wisdom uh, from the book of Proverbs that Solomon had. This is uh, in your notes. It's a bunch of different problems. I'm just going to read them all at once. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the words of the wise bring healing. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Boy, how often does that happen? Gentle words are like a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Have you ever crushed anybody's spirit? Has your spirit been crushed? I know, it happens all the time. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. We're not just talking about, these aren't just words. This is life and death that we are speaking to people. Solomon says, that's why he says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose, Solomon says. Your words are either poison or fruit. You choose. What are you going to choose? Watch your words and hold your tongue, David says, or Solomon says. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Get that duct tape out. Watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. How often have you, uh, how many times have you said, oh, I wish I could get those words back. I didn't mean to say that. Well, you were thinking that and you were feeling that, and I think you meant to say it, but you wish you hadn't have said it. No. That toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't get it back in the bottle. Right? Once you say something, it's out there. And whether you apologize, which I hope you do, I hope we do, I hope people do, um, but even if, even when you apologize, even when you ask for forgiveness, even when you seek to mend things, that person still remembers what you said. And, and that relationship can still have many difficulties. Such a powerful little thing is the tongue. That's why we need to pray what David prayed 
Let's make this our daily prayer. Psalm 141. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Boy, how the world will be different if not even everybody on the planet, but all the Christians on the planet only spoke the words that God wanted them to say. Lives will be changed. Futures will be changed. Countries will be changed. The world will be a very different place. If all the Christians let God take control of what they said and let God, let God guard their lips. Now it's confession time. You all ready? Okay. Do you want a little window into Dan's life? I don't know if you're ready for this or not. All right. Instead of stepping on your toes, I'm going to step on my toes. All right. So I'll tell you a little story that happened last month. Uh, we were at Disney World, which is a very, very fun time, but a very stressful time if you've ever been there. Sometimes vacations can be stressful and you need a vacation from a vacation when you get home. And so we were at uh, Animal Kingdom. This is like the fourth day of Disney. And, you know, it's like you get kind of cranky after a while, late nights, early mornings. Uh, not an excuse. I'm just giving you a reason. I'm just, I'm just helping you understand my frame of mind. Some crankiness, some attitudes from the children and from me. And, you know, I want to go there. I want to uh, get my money's worth. I want to get everything in. And so I'm kind of, I'm stressing. I'm stressing a bit. And I'm looking at the genie pass. And we got to get this right and this right and this time. And we got to go over here and we got to go over there. And I'm mapping it out. And, and so I'm, I'm focused and I'm stressing. And I had this conversation with Rachel, who isn't here. She's dropping Mara off at the house. She's not feeling well, but maybe she'll hear my apology later. I apologize to her afterward, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So there was this conversation uh, outside this art of animation uh, place, and they had a class. Rachel was wanting to take a class. The girls were, Mara and Ellie, they wanted to go and draw this sloth from Zootopia. They had different characters every 30 minutes, and they put up on the board how to draw the sloth, and you do the head, and, and so they're getting ready to go in into this drawing class, and we're standing outside, and something in me just snapped, and I don't know, it, it, you know, it's the pressure, it's the stress, it's you guys go over here, and we'll go over there, and we've got to get on this ride, and this thing's at this time, and we, I don't know if we're going to have enough time, we've got to ride the train back, and you know, the safari, and all that stuff, and something in me kind of snapped and I'm not proud of this um, but I was talking with Rachel that, about the rest of our day there and she was informing me of certain things suggestions and I didn't want her suggestions and, and she was trying to be very helpful and say you know we could do this and do that and we, we were ironing some things out and I found myself uh, well I escalated things I was very dismissive of her ideas uh, I didn't want to hear her thoughts, and I kept interrupting her. Uh, whatever, just whatever, it'll be fine, it'll work out, whatever, I told her several times. And I was, honestly, I was very rude. These are the picture. these are the things you don't see on Instagram, right? The moment that Dan berated his wife, right? <laughs> we don't record these moments in our life and share them for the world to see. I, I was a, a bit attacking, I attacked her, uh, a bit I was very disrespectful and rude and mean. I, I cut her down. And um, I let my stress level get the best of me. And I was... I was pretty ornery. And I was mean. Downright mean. To 
the most wonderful person in my life. The person that I love the most. I acted the worst towards. You ever do that? And so as soon as the exchange was over, she took the girls into the drawing class and I took the boys out to the petting zoo because Lord knows Gideon doesn't have the attention span to draw for 30 minutes. He's, he's got to go see the goats, you know. So we went out to the petting zoo and they were petting the goats and the donkeys and that stuff. And I got to sit there on the bench and, and watch them brush the, the goat's hair with a little brush, you know. And as I'm watching the kids play with the animals, um, I got to sit there and sort of think about what I said. You know, you tell a kid, go over there and think about what you did. Right? I, got, I had some time to decompress and uh, to sit there and stew in it and to think about how I had treated my wife, to reflect on my words. Why in the world did I say that? Why, why did I spout off at the mouth, right? The person who loves me the most, the person who I love the most, I treated just terrible. And she was hurt. And I was mean. And I don't know what I'd do without her. And we do that. We, we say things to people that we love that are just the worst. And we treat them in such horrendous ways. And I was choosing not to honor her. I was choosing not to honor the God who made her. And I instantly regretted my ugly words. You know, sometimes we, we justify our, our actions and our words, but I regretted them. And I had started formulating an apology in my mind. I messaged her while she was in the, the art class and we talked afterward. But I couldn't get back what I said. The damage had already been done. The word grenade had already been thrown and exploded all over our family. And I don't know who heard what. I didn't say, you know, cuss words and uh, call her names that were derogatory. But Mary was standing there next to me. and She might have been picking up on some of this. So, you know, little kids pick up on a lot of things. And I don't want that to be me. I don't want my kids to just uh, to be used to, well, daddy always verbally harasses mommy. And that's just... Who daddy is. That's not the daddy I want to be. It's not the person uh, that I want God to grow inside of me. Our words hold such power over life and death. Poison or fruit. And it's our choice. Our choice. Not, well, you made me say this. Well, you made me do this. Well, you're this kind of person, so you deserve... The, the shellacking that you're going to get. You deserve the berating. You deserve the attack. This isn't as much about them and what they did as it is about who we are in God and Jesus and our hearts and who God made us to be. Because people are going to do all kinds of things and people are going to say all kinds of things to you in your life. Terrible, evil things. Some people more than others, right? But it's our choice to choose the response of our heart. Not them. They're not choosing our words. They're not picking our words. That's us. That's our choice. And so we have got to choose wisely. We've got to choose life-giving words. Not 
death-giving words, sharp and piercing to people around us. And this includes angry emails and angry texts and angry messages. In fact, the, the written word might be even worse because you're not getting the body language and, and the vocal inflection behind it or maybe some love behind it, hopefully. So whatever you say in person or uh, through the, a screen, we've got to remember it has so much impact on the people that are receiving it. Just like you hurt when people say things to you, don't you? I do. But we tend to forget that when we get mad at somebody and we let them have it. And we let them know exactly what they did wrong and how upset we are at them. But we wouldn't want them to say that to us. I think Jesus said something about that, didn't he? Treat other people like you want to be treated? How about say things to other people that you would want to be said to you? I told you it was going to be a little tough. (laughs) This time of year is supposed to be so celebratory, so filled with joy, and yet we can suck all the joy out of the room when we go mouthing off and not represent Jesus well to our family, not represent that joy, and we can sabotage uh, the Christmas season. Got to be so careful with our words. But once we say it, we cannot get it back. So, maybe this year, um, I was going to say give it to your spouse, but that's not very nice. Wrap up some duct tape for yourself. Put your name on it under the Christmas tree, all right? Because we might, we do all need it from time to time, don't we? Don't we? Just shout out the worst thing you've ever said. Go ahead and shout out the worst thing you've ever said to some, the most evil, vile, derogatory. Let's see, let's, let's just have this brainstorm session. Think it, no, don't do that, don't do that. We've said some stuff, haven't we? No matter if you're the pastor or the elder or the kid or anybody, the CEO, We've all said things that we wish we could get back. As soon as we say them, we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we got to think, maybe cool down, maybe go in another room. They say count to ten, right? Go and think about, process through what you want to say and how you want to say it. Because, and I know that's easier said than done. But sometimes we just need to walk away from the situation, put that duct tape on our lips before we say something that is going to forever maybe change a relationship. And here's um, what it all comes down to. You can write this down. What comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. This is where it's all going. It's not just what we say, it's who we are. Because the words that we say with our lips, with our tongue, they reveal, they show if, we have, if we're speaking ugly words, maybe our heart is being a little ugly lately. That sin, that, that blackness is sort of creeping in and pushing God and Jesus out. Let's finish what James had to say. James chapter 3, verse 8. I'll read verse 8 again. Uh, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Oh, verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. 
Does a spring of water bubble over with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So what's mainly in your heart and therefore on your lips? You can think about this. wonder what percentage it would be. Maybe ponder that in your mind. Give a guess in your mind. What percentage of your, our words, are blessings and encouragement, praises, a fresh spring, a delicious fruit to the people around us? Get a number in your head. What percentage are encouraging life-giving words to those around you? And then get another number in your head. Of all the words you speak, what percentage do you think are curses and discouragement, poison, evil words, bitter water, rotten fruit, crudeness, cruelness? What what language have you been speaking to those around you? Blessings or cursing? Are you 50-50? Are you 80-20? Are you 100-0? I know it fluctuates from day to day. But just something to consider. Of all the words coming out of my mouth, is every other word a curse to people? Or am I cursing with every other word? Is there, or is, uh, are most words blessing? Like, am I letting God grow His love and grace and mercy and forgiveness inside my heart so much so that it overflows? See, that's what it is. What's in our heart comes out. I don't want to give you the visual aid of throw up because that's systemic, but... <laughs> What's in our heart, who we are at the very core of our being, uh, our spiritual soul self, whatever you want to call it, who we are, our maturity level, our relationship with God, our love and grace for the people around us, that flows up from our heart, out of our lips, out, through our mouth, over our tongue, and across our, or over our teeth, and across our tongue, right? So, what's in your heart is the real question. Not just what do you say. Not just get that duct tape out because we're running off at the mouth all the time. But maybe we need to uh, go to the root of the problem, right? Because just putting a Band-Aid solution on it, well, i got to put a dollar in the cuss jar every time I say a swear word, that's probably not going to do it. I think it goes a little deeper than that. It's in our heart. Welling up inside ourselves. So maybe we need a change of heart. If we need a change of words, I think we really need a change of heart. It all goes back to our heart. Our heart reveals a ton about who we are, about our love or lack thereof. As Jesus said in Luke 6, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart, Jesus says. What you say, what you and I say, flows from what is in your heart. 
Nancy, you better duck. So what is in your heart? See, our words are kind of like a tool, right? So I was going to bring a hammer, but then I thought this would be funner for Nancy. So, <laughs> so you know, you can hammer with this tool, I guess. You, you can build things. You can cut firewood. That's a good use, right, Nancy? Right, Nancy? You can... Oh, sorry. I won't get too close. You can chop firewood, maybe, or help split it. You can warm your house, have a nice campfire with uh, your friends and family. You could build some, I don't know what people do with hatchets. I'm not real toolsy, but they do stuff with this, right? Good stuff. Or you can take the same tool and bludgeon somebody in the head with it, right? I don't want to get bloody or gory, but you can take a sharp hatchet and you could do some damage, couldn't you? You could make some people bleed. Maybe you have somebody in your mind right now you want to make bleed. You want to hurt them for what they've done to you. I'm just saying. People have caused pain in our life and uh, we want to take our words and do the wrong thing with them. We want to be that hatchet, that axe that's sharp, that's cutting inside them because they cut us and they hurt us. But our words are like a tool. We can use them to build up and to do good things with or we can use them, I'm going to get you, I hate you, to do mean things with. To be the mean one, Mr. Grinch. To be crude and cruel and unforgiving and bitter and hold grudges and let them know what they did and how upset you are every single time you see them. Rub it in their face. We do that. But our words are a tool. Words, um, like a lot of things, can be used for good or bad. We just have to orient our heart to use uh, our words. Like David says, God put a guard over my lips. Control my words. Help me know what to say. So I can use that, that tool, those words of mine, to build other people up. To speak life. So where's your heart at? Will you choose your powerful words to destroy? Or will you choose to use your powerful words to build up? to encourage, to give love to, to speak life. Are you going to speak life over somebody? Or are you going to speak death and just chop them, just cut them, just bludgeon them, just do your worst? Here they come. They deserve this for what they did or said, and I'm going to get them. I can't wait to ream them. I'm writing this text right now, preparing this email and oh, I'm just going to let them know every single detail of what they did wrong. Not that people shouldn't be corrected for what they did wrong, especially if you're a supervisor or a boss. But there is a way to do it, to cut somebody up and hurt them for what they did wrong, or to build them up and say, hey, um, you know, here's maybe an area you can improve in. I see, it's like that sandwich. Anybody ever heard of the sandwich, the, the word sandwich? whether it's an email or a conversation, you put the, the thing that they can improve in, the thing they did wrong in the middle, like an Oreo cookie. That's the filling. And then, no, yeah, the thing they did wrong in the middle. And then before and after, you say good things. Building up, it's not that we never tell people um, that what they did was wrong or never try to help them grow or... Uh, 
or maybe they have a sin in their life. We shouldn't say anything about that. No, we, we, we should encourage one another, spur one another on uh, until Jesus comes back. And to do that, sometimes we have to point out sin. We have to point out wrong things. But do it with the, the grace sandwich, right? Hey, great to see you. You're doing good in this area of the job or, or the church or your life or whatever. Hey, I, I love being around you. And then, But you know what? The middle part. Maybe you would consider um, not punching people while you're on the job. Or, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. I know Chris probably deals with a lot of things in our safety. Maybe consider not driving 100 miles per hour in your mail truck in the snow. Whatever. I don't know. What people... <laughs> if they put the Tim Allen, you know, more power on the back of it, whatever. <laughs> Maybe consider not doing this bad thing. And then at the end, say, but you know, uh, I love you so much, and I'm here for you. Let me know how I can help you grow, and uh, if I can come alongside you in this. And, hey, let's do this together. So it's the sandwich, right? Because if you just take out the grace parts, then all they hear is, I'm wrong, you hate me, I can't do anything right. And with your kids, with our kids... That can really damage a, a, a child growing up, thinking that they never they do anything right and they can never please their parents. So whether it's your kids or, or your person on your job, do that sandwich. I love you, Gideon, but when you kick your sister in the face, it hurts. So let's keep our shoes on the ground and use, here's some good things we can use our feet for instead, for dancing. You know, do the sandwich. He has done that. So... You'd be surprised. No, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, Nancy wants me to pick this up again. Uh, no, Carrie Nation was that woman, like in the twenties or something, that, or maybe it was even earlier. She would go into bars and saloons and chop up ah. the, uh, you know, the bottles of whiskey and stuff. She was a real crusader again. Mm, okay. Um, Alcoholism and alcohol. What's her name? Carrie Nation. Carrie Nation. We'll go into bars and chop up whiskey bottles. I, I just don't know about this. I remember her name, but yeah, she took a hatchet. Okay. And go in and just... There you go. And um, so she was trying in her way to point out sin, I guess. Okay. okay. So do you want to borrow this for Lucky's Bar and Grill? or? I don't know. <laughs> The police may not appreciate what you're trying to accomplish there. So we can use it for good or, or bad, I, I, right? And that's our words. That's our words. So, um, man, what words will you choose to use this Christmas season? If you find yourself using a lot more ugly words and beautiful words, like I said, it, let's examine our heart. We probably need to surrender our, our life to God and Jesus more and pray that prayer in the morning like David did. Lord, put a guard... There we go. Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Maybe keep a, a piece of duct tape in your pocket to remind you. Right? Control what I say. Before we go, just spouting off at the mouth, God, is this what you really want me to tell this person? Is this really how you want me to say it? I know in the moment when we get in those emotions and those feelings, it can be tough. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So we need to grow. In that, God wants us to grow, to speak life to the people around Him, around us. 
so that we can live out what Paul told the Ephesians. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. How much of what you say? Everything, everything you say. Not 50%. Not 80%. Let's let everything we say be good and helpful, Paul says, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's the goal. That's the goal. I know we're not perfect, but that's the goal. That's the target we're aiming for. We're going to sing one last song. And what, you want, what I want you to do is to take a moment, maybe even close your eyes. I won't swing any hatchet while you're closing your eyes, Nancy. Close your eyes and think of one person in your life who would, maybe you've been ugly to them. Maybe you've been saying ugly words to them. Maybe you haven't. But think of one person in your life who could really, really benefit today or this week from life-giving, healthy, encouraging words. Do you have that one person who could really use positive words in your life instead of ugly words? And then think about, once you get that one person or two people in your mind, think about not just, oh, they need life-giving words, but how will I speak life into them? Am I going to write a text message this afternoon? Am I going to write them a card? Am I going to give them a call? Am I going to see them in person? I want us to not just think about it, but to make a plan for it. Make a plan. What are you going to do to speak life into them? When are you going to do it? Today, 3 o'clock, tomorrow, 5 a.m., whatever. And get a plan. You can open your eyes. What does God want to say to them through you? It might even be an apology for what you did at Disney World. Because that was really not cool, Dan. Maybe that's just me. Your words might be an apology or they might just be an attaboy or good job, you can do it or uh, I love you. I'm, I'm with you in this difficult time. Whatever it is, plan who you're going to say it to, how you're going to say it and when you're going to say it. And you better do it because you got a plan in your mind, right? So please, please, please do it. And let's continue to speak life into the people around us because Jesus... And God, they spoke life into us and eternal life through His Son, Jesus, uh, born in the manger to, to spread Christmas joy for all eternity. We want to be a part of that. What did we talk about last week? The shepherds saw these angels. They visited baby Jesus with great joy. They told everybody. I'm pretty sure they didn't have a lot of ugly words on their lips for spreading the name of Jesus. They spoke beautiful words. Let's be a people who speak beautiful, life-giving words, just like God and Jesus have done in our life. Let's stand and sing praises to our Savior.
pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for all that you've done in our life and all the words that you've spoken that have given us life. As we look through your scriptures, how you spoke through your prophets and uh, people following after you through thousands of years, we can read that you gave us your only beloved Son, only begotten Son, uh, that you loved us so much that you would give us eternal life through Him. That you would save us and set us free from our sin if we would only turn to you, trust in you, surrender our life to you. We could experience abundant life that starts today and goes on forever. And we know that by your living word. I pray that you would uh, empower us this week with your power, your spirit, to also speak living words to those around us. And to just... Shut our mouth, Lord, when we're getting ready to say something that we should not say. Please, Father, give us the self-discipline, the courage, and the strength to speak life instead of death. We love you, and thank you most of all for giving us the gift of who? In His name, everybody said, Amen.